Jill is set in a near future where dying people can commission a clone of themselves to ease the pain of their loved ones. Join us as we discuss this Karen Gillan starring sci-fi satire. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings citizens. Or are you Tara's double? I've introduced myself today as Tara. <laughs> this is a science fiction movie podcast. We talk about sci-fi movies. It's really quite that simple. Uh, for this episode, we watched Duel, which is a 2022 movie that we're catching up on, starring Karen Gillan uh, with a, a smaller role. You also have Aaron Paul. Uh, but it's uh, D-U-A-L, which I'm pointing out just so that no one's confusing it with the Steven Spielberg movie Duel. Uh, but, fair enough, I feel like they talk about a duel, spelt D-U-E-L, a lot in this movie. <laughs> I get why it's called duel, because it's about a person with a double, so you've, you've got the idea of two of something, but there's also the idea of a head-to-head duel to the death, which is brought up a lot in the movie. So, I guess it's uh, a play on words, but it's... It's a yeah. yeah. Um... But yeah, so we'll get into it. We'll start spoiler-free as we always do. Karen Gillan plays a, a woman who finds out that she is dying, she is sick, and in this science fiction world that we're, we're set in, uh, it is common practice to make a clone of yourself so that your loved ones will still have a version of you after you die. And that's how it goes. However, she finds out that she's actually in remission later on. And legally, both her and her duplicate are not allowed to exist. So they set a, a duel for a year later, and she's got a year to train to try and take on and kill her counterpart. Um, which And the counterpart wants to live, which is why it's a duel. Um, it does sound like if the counterpart's like quite new still and hasn't realized that they want to live and they've got at- autonomy, then they'll just kill them, and that's the end of it. But uh, that's, the, that's the setup of the movie. Uh, that's what we're going to get into. So, um, Tara, how did you feel about Duel? I thought it was a cool science fiction concept, a new take on the whole cloning story. Um, a lot of deep themes going on in this. Uh, it was a good performance from uh, Karen Gil- Gilliam? Gilliam? Just, just Gillen. Gillen? Yeah. Yeah, she was good. Um <laughs> Overall, I was just fine with the movie, though. I found some of the things kind of brought it down. Um, The movie is very funny, but I didn't really laugh. (laughs) And I think part of it is just the uh, there's something missing from the tone to where I would find it enjoyable, like the humor enjoyable. Mm. It's more of like, hmm. Like, instead of, like, a laugh. <laughs> I knew that was taking a turn because you started with, I, I like the concept. That was the first thing you said, which told me right from the get-go, oh, so not the movie that much overall then, <laughs> by the time we get to the end of this. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm I'm okay with the movie. I, I think it's it's a, it's a good movie, you know, but it's just not, it, yeah, it's just not for me, I guess. But I also, like... I hear the same score used in a lot of like lower budget movies and I kind of hate it. It's like this really grinding electric guitar kind of tuning for a metal band sound that I just, uh, I, I don't enjoy that score. 
can't say I noticed, to be honest. But, uh, no, I'm actually kind of a similar opinion. I think conceptually it's quite interesting, but it's going for kind of this, like, I don't want to say quirky. Quirky's not the right word. It's going for this kind of surreal tone where everyone talks a little bit robotically and a little bit kind of like cold to each other. And it's got a very kind of, it's almost like it's, 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 it definitely feels like it could be an episode of Black Mirror. There's definitely kind of a feeling of that to it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, you said you like the performance from Karen Gillan, and I'm not so sure I do. And it's not because I don't think she's good. I think she's, she, I've seen her in other things. She's a perfectly fine actress. Everyone in this movie is kind of talking unnaturally, and it's clearly a, an intentional artistic choice to have all the actors talk in this very specific way because, it, like, everyone's made to feel detached. And that's how the film's supposed to feel. Everything's very detached. Um, and it's got this sense of humor that it tries to sort of... Uh, but I, I agree with you that I, I don't... There's something just off about the, the tone that it doesn't, like, I can tell it's supposed to be funny. <laughs> But it, I, I just never found myself actually laughing. Like, there's little details. Like, early on, uh, like, so her character of, of... Her name's Sarah, Karen Gillan's character. And she's, like, clearly kind of depressed. She's, like, over comfort eating, things like that. She goes to, like, a taco place and orders a ridiculous amount of food for one person. Um, and then she goes home and decides to, like, watch some porn on her laptop and masturbate. And this is all whatever, but... There's clearly meant to be like a sort of slight joke to this because when she's like skyping or whatever with her with her boyfriend on the on the laptop, like the windows over the top of like whatever porn website she was on, and you can see the title of the video, and it's something like uh, "orgy in backyard of a haunted house." Like it's a really specific, and I'm yeah. like, this is supposed to kind of be funny. I'm supposed to notice that and have a chuckle to myself, and I. Like, I maybe slightly smiled. Like, there was a slight, eh, okay, this is vaguely amusing, you know? Um, like, the, 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 way yeah. she, the way she nonchalantly talks about sex stuff throughout the movie is kind of a running, like, thing that's supposed to be mildly amusing, I think. And, well, the whole movie kind of has that, even with other characters. Yeah, that's true, yeah. There's, like, a, a video she watches where, uh, like, a guy is training his his replacement like how to masturbate and stuff and it's all very clinical yeah everything's like, very clinical yeah. hand, you know uh so and i can't i get what it's going for like I, I feel like there's a version of this movie that i would love i feel like that like if you if it just pivoted just a little bit and i don't know if it's the script i don't know if it's the direction or maybe just the tone mm-hmm. i feel like if you just pivot a little bit there's a version of this movie that it would click for me and i would love what it's doing what it's saying about depression possibly about being bipolar i was kind of like maybe sensing some some of that in the subtext maybe imposter sy- syndrome like you feel like you're living someone else's life um, by yeah the end you know maybe a little bit of that um like there's, there's a definitely a lot of things that it's trying to like dig into and say and i appreciate that and i appreciate like it's one of those things where i appreciate what the movie is i appreciate what they attempted to do and i understand it's it a good try but ultimately i don't think like i think and quite early on as well like you know 15 minutes in, i was kind of like okay i think i get this and i don't think it's working and mm-hmm. so um i don't want to be harsh on it because I, I don't think it's a like a pure effort but i i think it just no. doesn't quite click yeah, yeah. so yeah that's just that's a shame but that's <laughs> <laughs> what it is uh, but you know, it's just got, it's got the concept. It's like there's there's a little obviously there's some satire in there as well, uh, which 
But the weird thing is, though, is the satire part of it, I almost felt like, by the time I got to the end of the movie and I sort of realised all the final points that it was going to make, I'm not mm-hmm. so sure the whole satire part of, like, oh, we're going to, like, do these jolts of the deaths and, like, watch on TV, like, you know, like we're in The Running Man or something. That kind of felt almost like... I'm not it even needs sh- a... It needs a fur hoping. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think that's a copy answer, because it's very easy, it's very easy to just say, oh, Paul Verhoeven would do it. And he, would, he would make it work. You know it's true, though. Like, even when she watches that video on, like, you know, so you're interested in a replicant, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I Which think... We started off promising, and there were some funny bits in it, but again, like, I didn't... I kind of went, that's funny. I, I didn't really laugh. <laughs> yeah. No, I think there's, um... There's parts of it that feel like it could be Verhoeven. I think there's parts of it that could makes me think a little bit of Moon. There's parts of it... Like, it, it's it's got, like, little bits of DNA of various other things. All But... All of them come from very different tones. <laughs> they all come, like, the Verhoeven satire is a very different tone to kind of the self-reflective, uh, you know, thing that's going on. And then the way everyone talks, it almost feels like we're in, like, not quite Wes Anderson, but there's almost a Wes Anderson quality to the way all the characters talk to each other, mm-hmm. which almost hurt my, like empathy for the main character a little bit because instead of like feeling what she was going through and feeling like and sympathizing with her i was kind of detached and sort of looking at her very coldly because she didn't feel like a real person she felt like uh i don't want to say a robot but like, like but they, they all talk like robots mm-hmm. so yeah I, I don't know it felt it felt like a movie that i wanted to empathize with someone in and i wanted to be conflicted about and maybe this is just because I expect this from a story where you've got a real, the original person and a clone, and the idea of, well, does the clone have rights? Does the clone, like, a, a living person too? Like, I expected it to kind of go into that based on the opening scene, and then it never really kind of does. It kind of takes a different tactic with it, uh, which is why I think it's more about, like, uh, mental, not illness necessarily, but uh, certainly depression. And, well, I suppose that's mental illness, but, you know, like, not just broad mental illness, like, very specifically, um, yeah. that kind of thing. So... Yeah, I guess I had different expectations just based on the opening scene as well, where like, okay, like, you know, you have to fight your, your double for the right to have the name or something. Yeah, Only we see, one uh, person can have this role. We see, because we see a duel, we see like what one of these duels looks like, and it's like this exciting, tense action scene that they're, they're given us, and... So it really focuses on that. So you really think that's go- that's what the movie is. It's, it's, and I guess thematically in some ways it still works for what the movie is, but sure. it really focuses that to the point where you, yeah, you're you're thinking, oh, this is all about the build up to the the the, the main duel, and mm-hmm. it kind of is, but it also kind of isn't, and yeah, and um, I, I guess I just had different expectations on what the movie was going to be, because you know the clone story's been around for a while, and it's almost always interesting, you know, the idea, uh, you know, Star Trek kind of dips into it many times, and you know, there's there's uh, the idea of like if you're sick you can or i guess this comes from like brave new world if you're if you're sick and you have money you can have a clone of yourself who's younger and fitter and always like kept in this this camp where they just make the superior version of you but so that you can kill them when you need a new liver or something like that you know or new lungs Uh. um and harvest the organs and stuff like that so you just have a backup human but of course they're still human they're just not treated like that you know, and the idea of like, well, we recognize that you have, um, that you are a person, that you have 
you have the right to life now, but only one person can have this. So the idea that you have to actually have a duel to see who has the right to live is an interesting way to like make a movie around that type of concept. But I think I, I don't know. On, on that point, I think the reason why that doesn't feel like it works that well in the movie is because it's not really about whether or not the, the, the duplicate, the clone is alive or has a right to life. Like I thought it was going to be about that early on. And yeah. it's, it's really not. It's, it's, it's more, it's more of an internal analogy for, uh, depression and, and like basically fighting yourself internally you know it's just more of a metaphor than it is the literal oh is this clone also a living being like it doesn't really try to tackle that because i feel like normally when you do that you're kind of like saying the idea that you're treating someone else less than human but it's literally you but you're still mm-hmm. treating them worse you know that's something that, that new show that came out last year severance kind of does where it's not a clone but it's the idea that uh, you separate, you can compartmentalize your brain so that you don't remember anything that happens when you're at work and your work persona doesn't remember anything in your personal life. So you eff- effectively, it's like two different people, right? Where one just lives to work, but they never get to relax. They never get to sleep. They never get to experience anything else. And it's actually kind of cruel when you stop and think about it. So even though it's technically still you and the same person, they don't remember any of the rest of your life where you get to relax and you get to unwind and be with your loved ones or anything like that. Like they just they're effectively a slave and i think that's kind of what, what often a clone story will deal with especially when it's like the clones made for a purpose for the original person whether it's for organs whether it's for work whether it's whatever but i don't think this movie's really tackling any of that and that's fine like it doesn't have to be about that but i think that's where i was expecting the the emotion and the empathy to come from but instead it's all more a lot about like oh, she feels that her clone's better than her and how does that make her feel because everyone else in her life seems to prefer the clone and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, we'll get into all that when we get into spoilers properly. But, uh, like, it's it's all kind of the mental side of it on a personal level. And the, the clone is just a, a science fiction vessel to tell the story of that rather than using the clone to tell the story of, like, something broader something that's more about like what is life it's less about that and more about oh how how do we cope with ourselves kind of thing there's a little bit of a what is life because there seems to be a bit of a i mean sarah says it in the the film but like when she refers to her double as like um she wants to uh, abort her there seems to be a little bit of like what is life like there's a there's some sort of line that is a bit uh, unknown as to when something is considered a life now. Mm-hmm. But we can get into that one in the spoilers too, because I think that's kind of an early on conversation anyway. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's just a shame because I, 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 I hate feeling this conflicted about a movie where I kind of get what it's going for, but it just never really clicks with me. And I am saying that... I'll, it, like I'm sad that it doesn't do more with the clone stuff, but I kind of respect what it's trying to do and using yeah, it as a as a subject to discuss like depression and discussing like us like fighting ourselves and how that kind of represents depression. You know, because the, the reason why I was thinking of the specifically bipolar, the idea that you have different moods, you have like you know good periods, you have bad periods, and the you know the the the, the bad version of you always comes back, and then the good version comes back. The, I, I felt like it was kind of paralleling that kind of idea a lot in the movie between the two versions of her um mm. but like i say i think maybe just the tone maybe this lack of empathy where i just felt so detached from everything 
where it was doing this really cold version of everything. I, I don't know, I just I never really quite clicked. To the point where I, I'm appreciating what it's doing at a distance and I'm not really feeling it. And fundamentally <laughs> that means it's not working as well as it should. Uh, so, yeah, disappointed, I guess, I, I would I would say. Uh, so, uh, I suppose I suppose we'll give the spoiler warning and we can we can dive into into things. Um, so, yeah, uh, we're introduced to the duel at the start, and they, they do this thing where they keep it suspenseful, where we, we see this guy and there's like a table of weapons and. Uh, but you never quite see the counterpart like his double clearly. He's always just kind of out of focus because uh, it's basically treating like a reveal. Even though most people who are going to watch the movie will know the basic concept and are not going to be surprised that he looks just like him. But they yeah. kind of keep it secretive to build up to the moment. And I think the moment where the, the movie first kind of looked because this was all fine. The mo- the moment where the movie I started went hmm I don't know about this is as soon as the like the presenter of the the Joel TV show starts talking to him. Like, mm-hmm. it just fell off. It was like, oh, what's this weird, like, <laughs> non-acting thing you're doing? I just, I, I immediately, I was like, I don't know, something's off about this. Maybe it's just her. Maybe she's just a bad actor, and that's all it is. <laughs> but it's not. That's how everyone talks in the movie. Yeah, I don't really know um, the purpose so much for the monotone voices and the, and the way of speaking. I, I guess just not having any kind of enthusiasm in your life for whatever this future is or whatever people's like everybody kind of deals with the whole um not emotion thing and everything just i don't know they're just trying to depict a cold sci-fi future and i guess you have to be kind of cold if you're willing to have a show that where people have to kill a, a version of themselves i mean it's a world without any kind of like seeming empathy or at the very least because the, the way she interacts with everyone around her, like every every interaction she has with uh, Peter, uh, her her boyfriend over the the Skype or you know whatever they're using, at the start of the movie, like every interaction they have or when they're texting, just feels like cold and devoid of love. Where she like every conversation quickly becomes, oh, I should really go to bed. Yeah, I'll go to bed early. Like like they have like three conversations in the span of like five minutes over the course of a few days that end that way like and she does it the first time where she just sort of quickly makes an excuse like oh i'm really tired she probably go to bed he's like yeah okay um all right well i'll see you next time then you know it's just mm-hmm. there's not a lot of passion there's not, like there's this distinct lack of caring um and then she she he does it to her when she's in the hospital which feels particularly cold <laughs> um and he's having a much better time with sam his co-worker who might be a samantha uh, it's possible. I mean, it's it's the sort of thing where once the double's introduced and he likes the double much more than her, like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure, like, I mean, yeah, maybe he was cheating on her before, but, and maybe this is us th- telling us that he's okay with cheating on her. This is just technically okay because it's still technically her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a weird loophole kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but He's going for it, though. Yeah, yeah. She like her order at the 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 fast food place is like she she gets like it was it was like a double taco, then two other tacos, and I was like, okay, that's fine. And then she's and like then nachos, and then two burritos. Well, uh, and I thought, yeah. is, is this for like three days of food here? We did, and then like it cuts to her, and she's like, I'm like, honestly, the most unbelievable thing about this movie 
is that she is not like bigger because it, and it's not even just that later on maybe the she's fi- just starting i mean maybe but later on in the film she says that she's lost weight because she's been training and she comments how her double doesn't have love handles um and i'm like i'm seeing no difference physically between these two and i'm not sure how you do it in like a subtle way where it's just a little bit fatter but it just it felt like i don't know you still just look like carrie gillen <laughs> yeah i mean maybe 10 pounds maybe <laughs> <laughs> just a bit of a stretch this is yeah. a bit of a stretch um at the most yeah yeah, but she gets drunk and she has this weird nightmare uh, with her mother where she starts eating pennies when her mother tells her to stop eating. Um, and she wakes up having coughed up blood all over the over the bed. And, you know, it sets up that she doesn't really talk to her mother, that she kind of avoids her. She doesn't really want to deal with her. And she goes to the hospital and she coughs up blood and they very quickly... and. Uh, I think the moment where I kind of realized I don't think I'm really quite into this movie is the scene with the doctor. It's the doctor. (laughs) I know. Everything she says should be funny. Should be very funny. But I just, I don't know. I don't laugh at it. Is is it just the direction or do you think it's just the actress just can't nail what this is? I'm pretty sure it has to be the the direction because it's literally every character. That's true. But, she, you know, she's the, the worst of it, though. The doctor though. is just laying it on thick because she's the one who has to deliver the bad news. She's supposed to be, you know, someone who has the most empathy, maybe other than her mother, um, and, and, you know, just delivers everything so cold. Yeah, because she, she's saying, oh, yeah, you're, like, you're, you're definitely going to die. Uh, you know, there's a 98% probability that this is going to kill you, and Karen Gillan's like, well, what about the other 2%? Oh, that's margin of error. And you can imagine, like, another actor saying this and it been delivered in a way that it's funnier. <laughs> and it just, yeah. it, it just falls so flat when I'm watching it. I just feel like, this isn't landing for me at all. Like, I'm not getting any of this <laughs> in terms of feeling, you know? I, I, yeah, I don't, really, really weird. And then she just casually says, uh, oh, yeah, think about a replicant. Um, which, you know, Karen Gale looks into the leaflet, she calls up the place, um... And again, I think adding into this like cold, sterile, like no one really like acknowledges feelings anymore kind of attitude is added to that is the quickness of this thing, where she spits into a tube and then they're like, "I'll take about an hour." <laughs> and she comes. She go, she literally goes and gets lunch. Yeah. and comes back and her and clone. A Karen, clone there. Yeah. yeah. She walks out and she starts asking questions and. Uh, even just the, the really, like, again, very, I'm using the word cold a lot, but it's very cold how the guy is just like, oh, there's a slight mistake, her eye colour is wrong. Uh, we can decommission this one and build a new one. And she's like, no, no, that's fine. And he's like, we'll give you a 5% discount to make up for the the defect. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, this is technically a living being. This is a living person who's just woken up and you're like, yeah, we can just kill her and mm-hmm. make a second one. Yeah, that's why when uh, when she says, I'm going to abort you, when, you know, the duel's definitely going to happen mm. and she wants to kill her duplicate, she says, I'm going to abort you, which is a funny way of saying, of describing death. But this is also kind of like, well, well, clearly the, the, the cloning guy um, doesn't care about, you know, destroying this fully grown human with conscience. Um, but even though she took only an hour to, to grow. So at this stage of life, um, there's no difference between, um, K- 
Karen Gillum's duplicate and they're not existing. You know, the, there seems to be no problem with destroying her, <laughs> terminating her. But later on, we know at least 10 months pass before um, the duel is going to, is being challenged. So maybe that's like because of the nine month period now that that's not no longer an option. She can't just take him back anymore. Yeah, uh, I was I was just so focused on like what it was saying about her mental state. I don't think I ever considered it to be anything, you know, ch- you know, child or pregnancy related. Right. I don't know. I was trying to think about like the, uh, the the parallels other than just that. Like, when is this considered a life and not just uh, uh, something she purchased at a store? You know. Yeah, she, I mean, because they see, they seem to have a line. Yeah, uh, she she starts asking questions about her on the way home and uh, like you know what sort of music do you like? What music do you not like? What food do you like? And it sets up. I mean, this is really this is actually quite important because it sets up that the clone is different because Sarah um, doesn't like French food but likes Mexican, Japanese, Indian. I think she says. Uh, but then later on, we find out that the clone does like French food and doesn't like Mexican food. So it sets up that there are differences. Um, and she comments on how she's, you know, she's healthier, she's she's slimmer, uh, all these things. And the clone's asking about, oh, what's your favorite sexual position? And she's like, oh, blah, 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 I like a bit of choking. Like, <laughs> so, so that. But again, it's all delivered very matter-of-fact. It's all, all delivered very uh, kind of, sort of, again, detached from anything resembling an emotion. Um, and it skips, like, we actually have, like, a 10-month time jump uh, to... We find out after this 10 months, uh, we, we watch Sarah, watch clone Sarah uh, with her boyfriend, like, kissing, to the point where her boyfriend goes, oh, I didn't see you there, Sarah. It turns out he's just with the clone now because he prefers her, and they're going out on dates, and the passion's back, and all these other things. And when she ultimately confronts him about this later, you know, a little bit later in the movie, he says... You know, she just says my name better. She sounds excited to see me. And it, it really did sound like someone describing, like, oh, when we first met, you sounded excited to see me. You sounded like you were actually yeah. pleased with my presence. And she, and now you don't. Now you sound, you know, you sound cold, you sound distant. She, on the other hand, seems to be excited to see me. She's excited for me, my my, my company. And, of course, I, so it's this idea of, uh, again, the idea of depression that you used to be better. And the people around you preferred that version as well. So you feel depressed about that. You feel like you aren't who you're supposed to be anymore. Um, and in this case, you have a, are literally getting jealous of the better version of her. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. you know, overtaking her life. Even her mother prefers her. Her mother her mother and her boyfriend lock her out of the house and yeah. to, so they can have a chat. And the mother even closes, closes the blinds. She prefers this version of her. And that's when she yells, I'm going to abort you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I did think um, it was funny that the mother was not able to tell the difference between the two of them, mm-hmm. despite they him having different eye colors. She doesn't even remember that her daughter's own her own daughter's eyes are brown. Yeah, you know, she did mention that she was going to wear contacts. So I don't know if she already was wearing contacts. Maybe not not until after yeah okay uh, after she died. Yeah, uh, but she was still she had the blue eyes up until that point too. Because, yeah, that's the first thing she notices with the eye color. She's like, nah, it's okay. Blue's better anyway. <laughs> than my, my crappy brown eyes. <laughs> uh, so, it, yeah, it, it's... 
Like, obviously, like, it's very easy to see what it's doing. Like, it, 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 like it's, I don't want to say it's beating you over the head with it, because I don't think it, I mean, it is in the sense that it's very no, it's, upfront, but. Yeah, it, it's not like, but you, you kind of want it to be when everybody's kind of super dull on purpose, you know, or like, yeah. what, what are you trying to say with this, you know? Yeah. Are people just a vessel for a personality that ultimately gets, you know, bled out because of the environment they live in and the people they surround themselves with or, or what? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to workshop it when I was watching the movie. I mean, I think I think the reason why everyone acts this way, I think it's just meant to represent how you view all the people around you when you feel the way that she does. You, when you feel depressed it's not so much that they literally are like this this is how someone who is going through depression is perceiving everyone around them they, they they perceive them as not caring they perceive them as not wanting to help them yeah well i mean the boyfriend definitely was like that like he definitely was a jerk um all the way through well, yeah when you take him literally but i'm like again i'm not so sure that you're supposed to take it completely literally in that in that way okay you know because like, like, they're both meant to represent part of her and like yeah literally he's picking the clone over her which is a, is a dick move but like in, in the sense that it represents just like when she was better and happier and he, mm-hmm. that's what appeals to him is that version of her and this version he can't deal with now, don't get me wrong i'm not saying it's not a dick move if you're like if, if you're with someone who's like going through something and you become detached because you don't want to help them and you and you, you don't try well, to be the, there it's also the appeal of dating somebody new is that you get that excitement that thrill of like every story you tell is like the greatest thing they've ever heard and you know it's just it's it's really exciting and new and um that's the thing that just goes away over time you know eventually you hear all the stories <laughs> yeah but the appeal of, of being with someone new is that you get to go through that again everything feels nice and um like what you remembered what love felt like before yeah uh he <sighs> well so the movie does this thing after this where like she she finds out of course she's not she's not going to die and again this is another scene with the doctor where she's like i don't know how this happened we can't explain it but you're going to live and again it's this might be kind of funny the way she's saying it but doesn't quite land like all all of this stuff uh leads to like okay the clone wants to live so she's legally disputing like her, you know her right to exist and as a result it means that the legal way they deal with this is they're going to have a duel in a year you've got a year to train to take each other on and for some reason we film this like we're in the running man or some other type of dystopia um which honestly, this idea that we watch this for entertainment, I think, despite the fact that the movie opens with it, I think is the most underdeveloped part of the whole movie. Yeah, totally. because because it never really like I never feel like it really gets into it, really. Well, she doesn't watch them, right? Sarah doesn't know. She's surprised at the duel, and then the guy's like, "Don't you watch tel- television?" Yeah, we see her watching the one from the start of the movie at one point, but this is when she already knows about it. Like, it it's, yeah, I it, think it's part of her training. It never really feels like it becomes like a key part of the movie where it's actually trying to say something about society. I mean, maybe it's... There's <sighs> more background. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you could argue, okay, it's saying that society like doesn't care about you on an individual level, and ultimately, once you start going through something, you're just like a potential form of entertainment because no one cares. Uh... But I never really felt like it really, 
again resonated with me where I'm, I'm like getting what it's doing with the side well, of it i mean so long as somebody's there to fulfill that role i guess they they don't right now there's two people who are supposed to be uh, playing the part of sarah here and there can be only one sarah so they have to people don't feel empathetic towards uh whoever's dying because that's just fixing the problem you know if you just look at it straight on well, I guess if you look at it again, just more of a, a like as an analogy, it, it I, I guess the the people watching is the idea that if you're feeling depressed, everyone around you is just waiting for like hopefully the good version to win because they can't help you. All they can do is watch, um, and it feels again like they're at a distance, like they're through a camera lens watching from from home because they don't want to get too involved like the idea that when someone is depressed a lot of people will, will try and like stay away from them and shy away from them because it's there's it's too much to deal with it's too much to get involved with what you know whatever the reason may be so i, I guess i can see what it kind of supposed to represent in that sense but I, I just i never felt like it really became a even though it's the driving force of like so many of the scenes because so much of what comes after this is her going to aaron paul who's a combat trainer and it's him giving her really crappy lessons of how to do rolls and you know what weapon to grab first off the table of weapons and here watch this really bad violent movie uh which you know like i it's almost an indictment of the film that i was like can we watch this movie instead where the guy's getting his hand off <laughs> the guy's got his hand at the garbage disposal and his wife just turns it on even though he yells but i'm your husband and she just turns it on for no reason <laughs> yeah we got some good blood good gore <laughs> well it's not it's really absurdly fake looking but that's the point <laughs> yeah, yeah. the title of the movie was something like why does why is it why are you killed by your loved ones? I don't know. Something along that lines. Like, which, why is it the loved ones you you can't trust? Which thematically ties into the movie that if you're depressed, you feel like the loved ones around you aren't there for you. You feel like you can't trust them and rely on them. Yeah. Uh, Especially her at that point. Yeah. And I, I, at your worst, might even feel like they're, you know, d making you worse, that they are actually <laughs> inflicting damage upon you. I, I thought it was interesting where she's, you know, she can't handle, like, the sight of blood or violence. That's why she doesn't watch the TV shows about uh, the duels. Um, and I thought it was interesting that Aaron Paul was like, oh, we'll just get you to watch some cheap horror movies full of gore. That'll get you, you know, used to seeing violence. But it doesn't really work that way because you kind of just you see it on television, but it's not the same. Yeah. Um. <laughs> There's a difference between fake and real violence, even watching it through a lens. In this, like, middle part of the movie, it mostly, like, we don't see the, the clone at all. Like, she comes back in later on, but there's, like, a nice big chunk in the middle where it's ju we're just following real Sarah as she's training. She's struggling to pay... She has to, like, pay, like, alimony, effectively, to her clone whilst they're both alive. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, but, you know, like, they, they do mention she has a job at one point, but you never get any, like, evidence that she goes to a job <laughs> or is doing anything. We just, like, we see she has money. She's paying for stuff. Um, it, it, actually, one of the interesting little details, so Aaron Paul at one point, when he's training her, and she's, like, she's, like, late in a payment, and she pays it, but, like, it's a day or two late, and he's like, I understand, times are rough, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, hey, you know, there's other forms of payment, and, you know, we could talk about you know you could pay me in something that's mutually beneficial to both of us and obviously in the scene you're thinking sex you're thinking he's, he's propositioning her here 
But then when she finally gives in and says, hey, is that offer still open? We find out that she, like, what he wants is hip-hop dance lessons. And there's a, it's actually one of the weirdest lines of dialogue in the whole movie to me was earlier on when she's talking about struggling to pay for things and she's listing like the, the, you know, times are rough right now with the, the, the clone support payments and my medical, you know, on the, the clone bills and my hip hop dance lessons. And I'm like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. One of them doesn't seem as necessary well, <laughs> as the others. Well, he told her to exercise, right? And she's like, <laughs> I really don't like exercise. And he says, well, the trick to exercise is to find something that you would enjoy. And hopefully it's physical, you know? So, like, that's that's a good way to get exercise. And so I, that's why, like, she's doing it. So it seems like it's essential to her because he told her to exercise. But... Everybody kind of talks like um, like the movie was written by Siri or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, like no. Every, everybody speaks very bluntly and like they're like they're reading off of the synopsis on the Google search of what something is. Almost like airplane, you know, like like airplanes making a joke about like uh, oh you expect them to say airport, what's that? And like oh it's the place where airplanes land or something. It it. When when they're asking about like, well, which airport are we going to, or something? Yeah, there's a lot of expo- exposition that's clunkily sort of delivered intentionally like that. But no, the hip hop dance thing, it, it it feels like it's almost there as like a quirky joke, and then ends up being the thing that he wants from her afterwards. And I think the point of this is that she's almost making a genuine human connection with him. Like they, they they're almost sharing mm-hmm. this interest where this could be a healthy thing to like pursue if, you know, the movie wasn't going to go the way it was going to go. Uh, like... Yeah, they both look like they're enjoying themselves, and she gets to, like, teach him something, uh, which uh, is not a thing that we've seen from anybody else, really. Uh, and notably, she's getting healthier. Like, she even says that she's starting to, like, you know, she's lost weight, she feels better about herself, she wants to live again. She's actually becoming a better version of herself. And notably, she's becoming a better version of herself when she's completely cut off from her boyfriend and her mother... And she's just sort of finding who she is as a person. But of course, just as she's starting to feel that is when all the deadline's coming up, the jewel's coming up, and like the clone Sarah is like watching from across the street and uh, Sarah like fires a crossbow at her and doesn't hit her, hits a dog instead. After, After being asked to shoot Aaron Paul's dog to prove that she can kill something, she then kills another dog by accident <laughs> across the yeah. street. It's completely unfazed by it too. Yeah, completely unfazed. Uh, again, there's a very lack of... I, I think the whole bipolar... You know, there's a lot of things in this movie that are making me think bipolar. That's what this movie's really about. Uh, between the different sort of personalities and mood swings, but also this detachment at times from, from things around her. But she chases... Kill her, the lesser part of you or something, yeah, yeah. She chases her down, her clone down, and they end up talking. And her clone takes her to a support group for dual survivors. So it's like a mix of clones and originals as they call them uh who have went through this duel and they're talking about surviving their 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 combat and what it was like to kill themselves you know when i say themselves i mean their their counterpart (laughs) and or what it's like to take over their life and not enjoy it yeah 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 uh and again there's another weird sex joke here when when they're done like she she mentions that like one of the guys clearly had sex with himself uh in, in the group is this very much running thing? I, I guess it's like tying sex to depression as well, like because it's, it keeps coming back up in this really. Well, I mean, there's a, uh, there's yeah, it's kind of funny, but also like it's a, 
you know, it, it means something. It, if you're probably mentally unstable, if the only person you can have a intimate relationship is someone who's literally yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, because cause it's like, hey, we're starting to like each other. And it's like, yeah, maybe we can be together. Not not like sex, not like that guy in there clearly did with his counterpart. I just, but you know, maybe we can coexist. And clearly, the healthy thing is to coexist. Like ultimately, like all parts of yourself have yeah, to. Yeah. Why can't they both exist? Yeah. yeah. Come together. Um, I think there's a moment earlier on where Aaron Paul's showing Sarah like different people. It's like he quizzed her on like, okay, how did these people die? And some of them like there's an arrow in the head, and she's like, <laughs> arrow to the head. Oh, congratulations, Sarah! You you knocked it out of the park. Very good. Um, but there's one who's a bit more ambiguous and she's like, ele- electrocution, and he's like, no, that's poison. It's really slow, and that's why it's not really used in the duels. Uh, but this is what it looks like. And it's like, okay, that felt like foreshadowing. And sure enough, uh, clone Sarah, uh, tricks and, like, so, so it's like, they're going to escape together. They're going to run away, because they don't want to do the duel. And they're going to go to the forest, presumably go to Canada, just based on the climate, because they mentioned crossing the border. Yeah. Yeah, it, it looks like Washington. Because it, it doesn't look like we're in the, the southern part of the U.S. going to Mexico. It looks no, more no. rainy. There's a lot of gray. Uh, evergreens and yeah. So There's a lot of pine trees. They're in the woods, but right before they go in the woods, they're doing like a checklist of everything. And clone Sarah's like, oh, and water. Hydration's important. She, she whips out two bottles of water and gives her one. And I'm like, she's poisoned that. And then yeah. she's looking at her as she's drinking it really awkwardly well she makes her take it she's like maybe one more big gulp before we go yeah one more big gulp just to be safe and it's that really stilted dialogue that if that if if the rest of the dialogue was normal that would be like wait you're acting fishy as shit but because everyone talks like that in this movie you kind of almost buy why she doesn't think is suspicious she also like stares at her while she takes the big drink yeah and i kind of get why it's supposed to be obvious in that like and it was the one thing that she wasn't. She missed the first time. Even though, like, when I saw it, I'm like, oh, poison. Because, like, she had foam coming out of her mouth. Oh, sure, sure. But in terms of the, uh, like, the, the, the depression angle, I think it's I think it's supposed to be obvious that she's doing this, that there's never a doubt in your mind that the, the movie's telling you she is poisoning the real Sarah. Is because it's this self-sabotage thing. Someone who is depressed ultimately is their own worst enemy and always, like, goes after themselves and always, like, beats mm-hmm. themselves up about things. So I think the idea here is that it's meant to be obvious. But the fact that it's meant to be obvious uh, kind of takes away from any of the... I don't know. The, like, I almost felt no build-up or tension to it. There was no... Like, I didn't feel this sadness building up as they're walking through the forest and we know that Sarah's eventually going to feel ill and die. Um, so... It just cuts to the duel and, like, clone Sarah runs up in real Sarah's clothes and she's got her hair tied back. Which I actually thought, like, I get that you're switching to look exactly like her because you, you, she's literally going to take over real Sarah's life. She's going to pretend to be the real Sarah. But I'm like, I don't think anyone there would look at you and go, oh, your hair's down, you must be the clone. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> That's true. Although her her loved ones were there, right? Like her boyfriend true. and her mom. True, true, true. Who seem to all just be with her, even though she's like meant to be the real Sarah now. Even though she she's not really, they all think mm-hmm. she's the real Sarah. Uh, and the, she basically just makes them think that the real Sarah ran and didn't show up to the duel. Uh, mm-hmm. And they have a hearing where they ask them all, "Is this the real Sarah?" And they're like, "Yeah, this is definitely my Sarah." And again, I get the what it's doing. I get the metaphor here is that. 
she she like everyone around her saying this is the real Sarah. You have to sort of take it less literal, and it's more just about the idea that she's become her, herself again. But right then, when this is all happening, the end of the movie, which is very sort of like a downer of an ending, unsurprisingly, which makes sense because depression is something you're always going to have to fight. It's not something that just goes away magically. I get what it's doing. Um, she starts to complain about the same things and starts to like hate the same things that real Sarah did before. Stuff that it seemed like she liked when she was like a fresh new clone. Uh, not just like the relationship with her boyfriend, uh, but her mother. Oh, her mother's always calling. I hate that she's always calling every day. I think the line she has is, there's a, there's a day for mothers, isn't that enough? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny. It's probably the funniest yeah. line to me in the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did get a couple of chuckles yeah. where I think I said, ha! <laughs> that might have been one of them, I can't remember. Yeah, but, you know, so it, it ends with this idea that she's just repeating the cycle of, like, she got better, uh, she killed her, her like, and the real one was getting better in a healthy way where she was finding things that actually made her happy. And then yeah. just like that. And so if you think about all this being in her mind, the idea that the negative side of her came back and killed the, the positive side and came back. Yeah. That's what was making me think of bipolar. That's what was making me think of depression. And the movie ends in this kind of just like sort of like really artsy moment where she, like the, there's like a little joke where she's done. I do like the ending. The, the, yeah, the ending's not bad, but, like, there's a moment when they're driving to the forest where clone Sarah is, like, basically saying, so how do you drive? It's like, oh, you put push on that pedal and you you turn this, this circle thing. And I thought, wait a minute, you've been alive for a year. The word wheel has not, like, at any point <laughs> come up. I guess she's not, like, uh, she's, she's not been in a car much or she's not thought to ask about it. Yeah, she's come- pretty young. Come on, her boyfriend's taking her places and stuff. Like, she's been in a car. Yeah, she's only a baby. <laughs> Again, that's if it's taken it literal, which I don't think you, I don't think you can. No, I, I like the idea that, because when she shows up to the duel um, alone, uh, she's limping. So I thought, oh, they probably fought. But then she said, I got, you know, I had car trouble. I thought the steering wheel was the brake or something like that. Um, yeah, she confused the pedal with the wheel. <laughs> yes. Um, as you know. And I like the idea that, you know, when we do see her drive away, the car is beat to shit. Like it yeah. is it is it, it should be drivable. I, I, I don't um, laugh because she 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 does say when she's like, Oh, so you turn that to go left and right, well uh, easy enough. That's just easy. Yeah. Straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, now you see uh, like the, the wreck of the car later. Yeah, so clearly she did get into a car wreck and that's why she was limping. Um and but I, I do like, you know, the idea that she feels stuck again. She has all well, she I say again, but like she's fallen into the same routine as as original Sarah. Um and you know, I I like the shot from above of her literally being in a roundabout in this car that she doesn't know how to drive and she's like trapped like she's just she doesn't know how to do it so she just kind of stops and starts crying it runs it runs uh fuel because she clearly doesn't know she has to refuel it yeah yeah so she does she not only is she not really sarah but she has to pretend to be somebody that she's not so she has this imposter syndrome now and then she's got um her whole family that she can't stand to be around or family you know what i mean like her mother and her boyfriend she like she's she's just trapped. She's trapped in this cycle, that, well, that's like the, a roundabout. That's that's the thing. I I, I think the end. She's the po- worse at it now. I think the point of the ending is that she is real Sarah. 
She is. This has always been real, Sarah. You know, this, yeah, this is it's just the her environment, right? It's yeah. the people around her that are not. It maybe you know the depression and stuff that people didn't like about her. You know, they were the ones that were causing it. You know, because she was just around the same people, and she ended up being Sarah. You know, depressed Sarah again. I don't even necessarily think it's the people around her that are causing it. I, I think it's just like this is the people who are around her, and because she's depressed, like her view of those people is always going to skew into this. It's always going to skew into, like, viewing them through this lens. And I think that final shot of, like, looking down and the car's just sitting there in the middle of the roundabout as all the other cars are beeping at her and trying to, like, get past her. It's just, like, that's how she feels. Like, everything's moving around her and she just can't cope. Like, uh, you know, I, again, if you take everything very literal and you talk about, yeah, it is the clone Sarah, but I think the point of the movie is really that they both just represent two parts of the same person, like, internally. And... This is just really hard at the end. Uh, it, 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 it is this cycle. It is this, like... She, she's always going to, like, eventually dislike her mother because she's just going to feel that that build up over time. She's always eventually going to feel detached from her boyfriend because she's always going to feel those same feelings. I don't think the movie's trying to blame the people around her for her being this way. I think the movie's showing you them act this way because that's how she views them acting. That's, like, it's all through her lens. I guess. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I buy that entirely, especially because we get the dialogue between her and her boyfriend where he's like telling her because she's she sees a, a wrinkle and a couple of new sunspots like, well, you should be, you know, using sunscreen because you really only have this short window of when you're attractive. I don't have to worry about that because men are considered attractive up until oh, okay, a okay. later age. And then even the mother is like talking about picking up her colored contact lenses. So she knows that she's the clone. And she doesn't care anyway, you know, like she didn't care about her original daughter uh, dying. Well, no, I think, I think, I mean, the the boyfriend thing you may have a point with, although I could still argue that, again, that's just kind of like, like, I'm not saying that she's imagining him saying that per se, but I think the whole movie, because it's very allegorical, is it's more just like, that's how she views him looking at her. And, and I'm not trying to excuse his, what seems like shitty behavior. I'm just, I'm just saying, I don't think the movie's necessarily try to present it as that i'm trying i think the movie's trying to present it as she feels this pressure so that's what she's hearing from but i think the mother thing you just brought up is very interesting because i think this idea that she feels like her mother just wants this perfect version of her that she has to always live up to and i think that's what that that particular point means is that she doesn't care that it's not the real one she just wants the, the to, to pretend to be the daughter that she always thought she had so mm-hmm. You know, you you wear the lenses. It's, it's that living up to your parents' image of you. And maybe the mother's not actually that bad. Maybe she's not actually that like imposing her. Maybe she is. But the point is, is that she feels that way. She was haunting her in her nightmares. Yeah, so. yeah. The, the the point is, is that Sarah feels that way though. That that's the the key thing. Um, like I I, th- I think like the movie's unreliable for every other character. And I think because it's so off kilter with how everyone acts, like it really makes me feel that way. Where. I think this is all through how she, like, how the main character views the world. Um, it doesn't necessarily make me like it or enjoy what's happening anymore because I don't think it quite clicks and I, I don't quite feel for her uh, in the same way. Um, as, as far as, like, a very internal character study goes, which is ultimately what the movie is, I think there's better examples. I think there's examples that work better where I, I get attacked, even though they're unreliable and even though I can see the faults in them. And the faults often is what makes them relatable because you understand what they're going through and what it's doing i just i feel like in this it, it just it doesn't click together because it doesn't give me something to like empathize with her i, I feel like 
all of the stuff that she's going through early on, the, and 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 it's the, it's not that it's not relatable per se. I feel like everything she's going through early on is it's in some way. You know, most people have felt alone, or they've come for eight, or they felt detached from their partner, or they feel pressure from their parents, or you know, all these things. Are like most people go through some or all of these in their life, right? These are not like very unique things to feel. Um, but I don't think it does anything with them early on, or with her specifically to make his latch on to to her and i never felt bad for her and maybe that sounds bad because the whole movie is kind of about how she feels that no one cares about her but i don't think well, as she a... doesn't really feel bad for herself in the beginning anyway it takes a little while before she starts to have the will to live yeah but that doesn't excuse us not feeling bad for her like we should feel bad no, for I'm her i'm saying that's why you probably yeah. feel that way though I mean, maybe, but I can feel something different for the character than what she feels for herself. Like, it doesn't have to match up one-to-one. I guess. I, I mean, it's just the... I don't know. It's um, I was getting kind of miniature vibes, you know, the Twilight Zone episode, where, like, everybody is uh, saying that Robert Duvall is the problem. Is that right? Yeah, Robert Duvall. But it's, uh, you know, it's actually everybody else around him that is causing him to, <laughs> you know, he's not recognizing the what's going on and how yeah, they're well, I, aggravating, you know, the parts of him that he doesn't like. I, I think that's a much better version, though. I think that's oh, a totally, much better story yeah. than this. I, I think I sympathize with that character. And that did that smart thing where over the course of the episode, you realized the the other people really yeah the other people not like in their attitudes towards them even if they weren't intentionally being malicious and they they didn't realize that they were making them worse and making it making it more of a pressure for them i think that that had a really nice realization for the audience over the episode where you learned this like what was causing it or what, not necessarily what was causing but at least what was making his condition worse what was not helping yeah. him um whereas with this i kind of felt like for the most part, I got the point of what it was doing quite early on. You know, like, as, as soon as she has a conversation with her clone, you kind of get what the movie's doing. And I don't really feel like, by the end, it put a diff- that much of a different spin on it where I felt like it went through a story. And I guess that fits with the theme of depression because it just felt like inevitable and it felt like it, it was ending the way it was always going to end. And that kind of ties into what depression is and how you feel if you're depressed. Um, in theory, I don't know if I've ever truly felt depressed at least in a clinical <laughs> sense but my understanding of it is that that's how it feels but i'm not so sure if that works at least in the way it's presented as a as a story as a movie yeah i don't yeah, know okay. i just i never felt uh you know when it, when it gets to the ending i, I just kind of felt like okay i get what it's doing i understand this like sort of not even bittersweet this uh downer point that it's making at the end where she's just sort of back to where we started and this is a never-ending cycle literally on a roundabout which is a circle just to like drive it home even more going Uh, the wrong way like her car's facing the wrong direction and it's all beat up and then it just cuts quietly to the forest where the real version the happier version i should say i won't say real i'll say happier version because at this point like this is the real version they're both the real version but it cuts to the forest and the credits just play quietly to the point where I actually watched to the very end because I was convinced at the very end of the movie the happy one was going to like get up and just like pop up from behind the bushes. She solved another terminal condition, the poison. <laughs> no, no, no. Just, just as a representation thing, not as a literal like beaten sure. poison thing. Just, just as a 
like no the happy version is still there and still has a chance or something like i i thought it was going to do that but it, it just it doesn't like it stays no, in that shot of the forest dour ending. it stays in that shot of the forest until the very end and then it just fades to black there's there's nothing uh which and i'm not saying that i wanted the happy ending if this wanted to be like a hard-hitting look at depression and wants you to feel that sense of despair and uh the never-ending cycle of it um and the idea that internally there's two versions of you one that can be happy but then it'll turn to being sad again and you kind of like you're your own worst enemy i guess that's the, the way to describe the movie is like you're, you're your own worst enemy that's it that's the movie in a nutshell uh i respect it but you know i've seen black mirror and twilight zone episodes tackle the subject better yeah i mean even yeah, star trek has some great cloning episodes there's one from enterprise i really like Oh. similitude so you can look forward to that one day eight years <laughs> from now yeah no i uh, like like i say that episode of twilight zone you brought with robert duvall is a great example of just a, a, well, that a, one is definitely dealing with the mental health and how people don't you know seem to recognize the harm that they do yeah i, I see i think this movie is less about the other people though i, I think all the other people are unreliable because they're all viewed through her lens i think this is more of an internal thing that's more just in her head yeah i i don't know if i'm on the same page as you with that but i understand I, I, well, why you think that well I, I, I don't mean literally like we're inside her head i don't mean that everything else is like her imagination i mean that everything's just like skewed yeah the, the movie like the movie i don't think is super literal i i think it's uh one of those movies where the world's off because the whole the, the point of the world is just to make a point it's just, it's just to make this one point about her her state of mind and everyone's written and reflected to reinforce that which maybe that's why it's filmed up north where we don't get any sunny days it's like a commercial for antidepressants oh yeah it's a depressing looking world there's no there's no denying that mm-hmm. uh everything's bleak and gray and uh yeah there's there's a couple of moments like the, the moment in the forest where the poison like sort of takes effect like i thought that was like handled well from a like a cinematography perspective it just kind of sits on her face as blood starts to like you know come out of her mouth and she sort of stands there shallow depth of field as she sort of realizes that she's dying like that moment is is good and it's this betrayal of herself you know herself has betrayed her <laughs> like again yeah. fitting into the theme of of uh mental health and and depression mm-hmm. so um bringing yourself down yeah so i think none of the people around her feel real Uh, they all feel like they're her interpretation of the people around her so Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong if if the other characters did say some of the things they said they are pieces of shit but i'm not (laughs) i'm not convinced that the movie's doing that whereas that twilight zone episode is about examining how the other people around her are treating them um but maybe that's why when i watch this that i don't feel the same way about the other characters than you do mm. uh i just i just wish i like felt it more i wish i cared more i wish i i i could could tie into it more i think there just had maybe had to be a bit of a hook to make me care about her and then once you know the depression was taking hold maybe i'd be like rooting for her to fight it and maybe this ending would hit really hard if i really cared about her and i'd be like no i'm de- you know this is a tragic ending because she failed and the depression's won again like that that yeah. could that could be quite powerful if i really cared about her but i don't think anything at the start of the movie really made me f- latch on to her feel like you know i cared in that way 
there were some moments with her and Aaron Paul where I started to be like, okay, like you do see her in the dance class and stuff, and she seems to be having fun. Like she's getting into it, and they're like sort of play fighting in slow motion at one point, and it's almost like they're children uh, just fighting. Mm. And and even his lessons feel kind of like, you know, watch this cheap horror movie. Um, you know, let's let's play swords, but with wood swords and um, pretend to stab and over exaggerate the kills and stuff like that. But um, so there's a, like a playfulness that comes in that it, makes me it feels feel odd, a little bit. It feels oddly more innocent, despite the fact that they're technically training for a duel to the death. Yeah, because it, yeah. it does feel like kids play fight. Because his training always feels like I don't feel like he's really a trainer. Or it feels like it feels like someone who claims to be an expert in something who's just like I've made this training regime, and I, but I'm not actually someone who's ever been in a real fight or tactical yeah. combat or anything of such. Um, I'm just telling you things that I vaguely picked up from movies. <laughs> yeah, basically. Here, watch this goofy, really bad horror movie. <laughs> She just had to get desensitized to to the goal. Yeah. That's all. And then says, "Here, shoot my dog with this crossbow." And she's like, "I'm not going to do that." <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad they didn't. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah. No, I think this is the maybe the portion of the movie where it could have maybe succeeded in making me care about her. I think all. I think maybe what should have happened though is maybe that robotic acting style that everyone's doing maybe should have broke down a little bit like what if like as she was getting a little happier it started to feel like more normal people and then we were snapped back to robotic when the clone showed back up that that may have been effective and like saying hey she was actually becoming better maybe maybe even do subtle things like make it a little bit sunnier you know you like her world's literally getting better around her sure and then themes things seemed a little less uh like um gray in tone when she was with Aaron Pauly. things there was a little bit more color in, in the in the palette I thought maybe that's why I associate those scenes with being a little bit more childlike and fun but not like fun to where I'm like I'm really into this movie <laughs> yeah I, I just never felt it enough I never felt like the change enough to like you know re- just really root for the character and want mm-hmm. her to like win this fight with herself uh, which is a shame because I, I, do, I do genuinely think there's a lot of mileage in the concept and there's a lot of mileage in what it's trying to do. But like I say, I've seen I've seen yeah. other movies do it better and I've certainly seen, you know, we've mentioned Twilight Zone episodes and uh, Black Mirror's not done the exact thing, but it's definitely played with the idea of like a clone of a, a, a you know, a, a dead loved one and things like that. There's an episode that deals with that. I mean, you can say like that the cloning is sort of what happens to the people who get put into other technology like other personalities get transported into technology and it's just a copy of them right yeah kind of yeah uh so yeah sadly you know i i can't really recommend the movie all that much it's 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 that really annoying middle ground where i respect what it's trying to do and i think there's like like these people who are making this are not incompetent they're they're doing a reasonable enough job with a lot of the elements of the film you know it looks like it's got it's, it's got it's got a very intentional tone and mm-hmm. like the actors are acting a very intentional way that matches the filming style and everything else i just don't happen to think i like it that much and it doesn't quite work but it clearly has a style it's clearly going for something i i just yeah so, but this, the sad part is is that when a movie is aiming for something that's meant to be sort of like you know introspective and Mm-hmm. deep and meaningful and a little bit arty i love that when it works 
when that doesn't work it, it ends up feeling quite dull <laughs> whereas whereas something that's trying to be like an action sci-fi movie or something that ends up being bad that might become entertaining how bad it is if it's like you know missing the mark or it might be like oh this is schlocky and silly but whatever when this doesn't work and it kind of misses it just kind of feels a little bit like you know <laughs> I don't want to say dull. I don't want to quite call the film dull, but it borders on dull at points. It does, yeah. Or just like, uh, I don't know, I watched a lot of French movies in the 90s and they always had like a really dour ending that I was just like, oh, that was. I watched two and a half hours of this just so like everybody dies at the end <laughs> and people are miserable. I hate this. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't mind a downer ending. Like, I, I actually think well, if, I, if there's a point to it, sure. Yeah. But like the French films, like they they were really into their, like this is not your Hollywood ending. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not going to throw all the French cinema under the bus, but uh, I see what I you're will. saying. Uh, yeah, I, I I think the ending here has a good point. I just uh, I just wish I cared more about everything so that it landed in a way where I felt I felt the gut punch of it. You know, I was like, oh man, I'm sad because she lost. I'm mm-hmm. sad that and. It's you know it's this internal loss, which is which is really sad. So, um, yeah, well, I guess I guess we'll read it. Okay, I'll go first. You always go first. Uh, <laughs> I I want to say this movie was a good good try. Um, I sort of <laughs> called six six out of ten, like about fifteen minutes in. I'm like I'm thinking it's, this could be a six out of ten, and, and maybe it kind of is, but I'm still gonna knock it down a little bit and go. Uh, five out of ten yeah i know what you mean though sometimes you're watching a movie and you just get a feeling quite early on like i've got i think <laughs> I, I think i know what this is like already like i can already feel like where, where my enthusiasm is for it yeah um and that's why it's important to have you know a strong opening you have you know like, like obviously some movies do turn around some movies get better as they go that does happen occasionally but uh by and large it's good to have a strong opening to to sort of hook the audience in um I think I respect enough of what they're doing to probably actually go a little higher than you. I think maybe five is just a bit harsh because five five to me I, I think there's enough intention in this and enough like that they're trying to do that I'm at least willing to go up to uh a, a five point five, which I know is not much, but <laughs> like Five is medium. It's in the medium zone. It's not bad. It's mediocre. Just didn't quite get to good. <laughs> hey, you started. You were trying to be nice at the start. So you go, I think it's a good movie. Like, but you had that tone. I don't remember if I said good. I probably you did. did you I did. Tend to, I tend to, you know, be positive when I can. But <laughs> yeah, sometimes but... you bring me down. and <laughs> <laughs> I can tell from the tone, though. Like, you said good, but I'm like, I'm hearing... I'm hearing something else. I meant medium. The movie's medium. <laughs> so I'll give the medium rating. Sometimes Tara mo- Tara's mouth says good, but her eyes are saying, eh. Maybe <laughs> 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 uh. yeah. we'll have better luck next week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Transformers. I'm sure that's going to be a right pick-me-up. The animated show or... Oh no, we're 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 this is Michael Bay directed. We're gonna watch the adventures of Sam Witwicky <laughs> as he uh, tries to remember the name. Tries to it's supposed because his name's Sam Witwicky. It's a funny name. <laughs> Witwicky. 
I, for, I forgot until you said it. Yes. I, saw, I saw the Transformers movie three times in the theater. <gasps> well, you're an expert then, so we're going to come in hot next week with oh, uh, no. big takes. <laughs> <laughs> big takes on Transformers 2007. Why, you ask? Because there's a new one coming out this summer, so we're going to do the whole franchise. Okay, but we're not going to do... You're not going to make me like go to the theater to watch it, right? Like... We'll see. We'll <laughs> the whole point is, is that we catch up for the new Michael one. Michael Bay money. He's not done the new one. I don't want to give Transformers money. <laughs> I don't want to make any more. Hmm. Uh, except Bumblebee, because we actually did that. That was episode two of the show. If you go all the way back <laughs> to the start of the playlist, we yeah, did Bumblebee. Yeah, you like that one more than me. I mean, I didn't love it. I, I mean, it was better than, you know, I'll, I'll, most of the other ones. It definitely was better. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll, uh, we'll we'll tackle Transformers uh, next week. So uh, by all means, uh, join us for that if you're uh, excited. <laughs> um, hey, so I've got a I've got a feeling the conversation for that will at least be a little bit more impassioned. Not necessarily for the right reasons, but we shall see. Yes. Um, so yes, by all means, uh, let us know what you think of Duel in the comments if you've if you've seen it below. Uh, you I can... highly recommend watching these Steven Spielberg duel instead, though. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a much better movie. I agree. <laughs> Uh, so yeah you can uh, like subscribe ding the bell for notifications of course if you want to support all the content you can do that by going over to patreon.com slash TV and support us over there uh, you get a bonus episode every month at the lowest tier and then at the second tier the $5 tier you get access to uh, Meltdown which is our show monthly where we talk about all the different movies we've been watching uh, sort of casually and also give each other a sci-fi movie quiz which uh, is usually good fun uh, so you can get all that over there uh, there's also alternative options if you want to be a YouTube member to get some of that instead but there is more on Patreon if you if you like early access and uh, voting rights and all that sort of stuff so go and, go and have a have a look-see and see if you're, you're into it but uh, uh, that is us I will just take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month uh, mustn't forget that Tyler Hess, Sidney Palacios, David Sharp, now, Christopher Moy, David Brown and Al Treisman thank you very much for supporting the show and thank you to all of our patrons and anyone who just watches uh, of course you can uh, rate the podcast on itunes uh, that helps us out a bunch as well give us five stars or of course just share us around on the social medias or to your friends if you say hey there's this really really attractive person on the internet plus he's with someone called tara and they talk about sci-fi movies you should go listen to <laughs> well i'm gorgeous why are you shaking your head at me <laughs> Nothing. You have a strong mental health. <laughs> I detect hesitation in your voice, Tara. I don't know if I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you very much right. for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep watching sci-fi movies. A computer at Salsa.